Hey guys, Bill Spadia here. Welcome back to my podcast. Very special guest today. As you know, I spend an awful lot of time on the radio show and my different media outlets talking about the battle against addiction, which is particularly hard in New Jersey. As you know, we've had a crisis that goes back many, many years, certainly has gotten worse over the past year and a half. But one of those folks on the front lines fighting this, his name is David Dorshu, and he is the CEO of Recovery Centers of America, and he joins me now. David, how are you doing? Good to see you. It is, it is great to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's, let's, uh, let's start right off the bat. How bad is the crisis in New Jersey with people battling addiction? Well, you just mentioned a year and a half. Uh, so far this year, in the year 2021, an average of nine people in this state overdose and die every day, okay? Wow. Pre-COVID, that number was about seven to, se to seven and a half. So I am attributing, you know, the one and a half to two additional deaths per day uh, to the stressors caused by COVID. We also know that in the state of New Jersey, we have three times higher than the national, the average for overdose deaths. So, you know, we and have let, our work. Let me ask you, David, it, what are you seeing the most of? I mean, I, you know, people sometimes dismiss certain things like they, they they dismiss alcohol for example and and they think that when you're talking about addiction you're really only talking about heroin uh that that's not really the case is it it is not the case and obviously opiates and alcohol are our number one and two primary drugs of choice of the folks that we treat uh rca raritan bay located in south amboy uh, is a 138 bed residential treatment facility and we have all levels of care for detox down to outpatient. Uh, but alcohol and opiates are kind of number one and number two. Uh, so you're absolutely right. Alcohol, uh, we see a lot of it, far more than you might think, because what, the opioids get the most attention. What uh, At what stage of the game are you seeing most patients? And, and what leads them there? Is it, is it people that, are, that have gotten to the point where their life is just a complete and utter mess and they want to get help? Is it that they're being dragged off the floor by a family member? I mean, at what point are, are you getting it or is it uh, uh, you know, 180 degrees all over? Well, it is all over, but, but let me be more specific. 80% of our admissions bill come in as, as into the detox level of care. So we have three different types of withdrawal management protocols, one for opiates, one for alcohol, one for benzodiazepines, okay? If you are authorized by your insurance company and meet the criteria for a detox or even residential level of care, you are not talking about people who are weekend dabblers. You are talking about the most severe of the most severe. So to your question, You've got people walking into our building and their lives are destroyed and they are completely broken and devastated. And so what causes them to come in when they come in? Sometimes it is an intervention with family. Sometimes it is, I'm going to lose my job. My house is going to be foreclosed on, or I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired. So it does run the gamut, but you're talking about people they bring their brokenness, brokenness to us, Bill, and then what are we going to do with it? We have to consider it almost a sacred trust that they are giving this to us. And so how are we going to respond? We're going to respond with kindness. We're going to respond with encouragement. And what we have to do with our patients is we have to lend them our hope in them and their future until they can develop some of their own. 
And that does take some time. So what we have to do is provide for them a vision of what their life will be like drug and alcohol free. And we have to keep, keep reinforcing that with them so that they can, until they can develop it and kind of walk on their own with the hope for their future. So how long does that take? It varies. It can be a couple of weeks. It can be several months or even years. And so that's why every patient that we deal with, they have an individualized treatment plan. And we know that in the year 2021, addiction treatment is not one size fits all. It can't be that way. So we assess the readiness to change, the readiness to change, make the decisions that they need to do in order to be drug and alcohol free and gain true recovery. The big book of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, uh, defines recovery as we are recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And that's what we're pursuing here. You know, addiction is an inside job. And so what we're doing is not only treating the effects of the addiction, but also the causes. And those causes could be, they have a genetic predisposition to addiction. It could be um, pain management, motor vehicle accident, uh, work-related injuries, something like that. Uh, It could be that is the way they deal with their stress. Uh, So, you know, many different, uh, it's kind of, you know, many different sizes and shapes and we have to deal with everybody individually. But what we have to do is respect the fact that they have voluntarily come forward and say, I, I believe in my tomorrow. And I might not know what that looks like, but at least for today I do. And we grab onto anything we can. To How do you rate success? I'm sorry? How do you rate success as a, as a group like yours? You know, what, what, what's successful? I mean, is it years sober? Is it forever? Is there a you know, a point where you know you've done everything you can and, and it should last a lifetime, but doesn't always. Like, how do you measure success? Number one, success very early on in the process is when I see what I refer to as the light bulb going on. Hmm. The light bulb going on that I can live a life drug and alcohol free, that I'm not a horrible person. When I got into the field 26 years ago, I can tell I have gray hair. Uh, when I got into the field, <laughs> Back then, we had some old timers in the field um, that still believed in the approach of you're a, nothing but a stinking addict, alcoholic. You're a, you're a moral failure. You're a bad person. I'm going to tear you down and then build you back up through the 12 steps. Well, let me be clear that we believe in the 12 steps and the foundation of everything we do with Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. However, we take a client-centered approach, and that means that I tell every client I deal with every day, you deserve recovery. So that helps for the light bulb to go on. Again, borrowing my hope and my faith in them and their future. And then as far as success longer term, when you do receive that email six months later, that phone call, hey, my marriage is restored. I'm going to meetings. I have a sponsor. Um, I have my job back. My children are talking to me again. My health is improved. Um, That is success as well. And that is why we do what we do. And I tell our staff, Bill, you know, we are people who come here are not on vacation and we are not Disney World. They come here, as I said, broken. And what we do is hard. However, as hard as it is on the other side, it's also equally rewarding. And for me personally, I cannot imagine uh, working with any other group of people because it is so fulfilling 
to see families restored, to see hope renewed in people. Do you, uh, David, do you find that most people who come to you to work have experienced some uh, pain, loss, or uh, addiction in their friend group, family group, et cetera, or, or themselves? So, so I have a staff of about 250 employees, and we have a mix of people who are in personal recovery and some who are not. Mm. Uh, so I can tell you this, addiction is a family disease. We know that. One out of three families in this country are impacted by addiction. Mm. So if someone is not in personal recovery, they at least have a loved one or know someone that has impacted their life due to that person's addiction. Uh, and, and for some patients, it really builds trust when they're talking to an employee and engaging with an employee who has walked down the road that they're just starting to walk down. And mm -hmm. so I think it's important that you have a mix of people. But in order to have any level of job satisfaction working with the folks we're so privileged to work with, you almost have to look at it as a calling and not a job. And I tell our employees, you're not employees, you're family members. And whether you like it or not, you're stuck with us. Uh, we are a family. Uh, and and it, if you look at it as a calling, you'll always keep that goal in mind of I'm helping to save lives. The, the mission of Recovery Centers of America is to help one million people gain meaningful and long lasting recovery. And so we're in the life saving business. That's what we do. And it takes a, a mix of employees to put together, you know, a staff that is really, really um, equipped and capable of helping people. How about contact with family once they're in? Um, husband, wife, children, parents, how does that work? Well, first of all, when someone's admitted, um, we our admissions team is reaching out to what we refer to as the emergency contact to let them know your loved one is here, arrived here safely, um, and then we have what we refer to as a five-day centering period. And that's where folks are just concentrating, typically, as I said, detoxing. And then at day six, they can communicate with their family. They can reach out to their family. We also have in-person family therapy sessions because one of the, the tenants, Bill, of Recovery Centers of America and foundation, foundational to our treatment approach is what we refer to as a neighborhood model. And the neighborhood model basically says that we want you to receive quality treatment in the area where you live, because I'm sure you're familiar or have heard of people who might live in this area, but go fly to Florida or California to receive mm -hmm. treatment. We refer to it as a flyaway model. The challenge with that is if I live in Middlesex County and I'm, and I'm going to Florida for treatment, number one it delays my family's opportunity to get engaged in mm -hmm. the treatment experience right away. And number two, it takes me longer then to start to develop my sober support network because I'm doing great in Florida, but I'm coming back here to live. And so when you're able to develop that sober support system right from day one and family therapy involvement right from day one, we believe and research shows that that is a predictor of more positive outcomes. So let me ask you this, then what, what can someone, let's back up, let, let's go to, you've got people that are going to be listening to this, they'll listen to uh, my conversation about this on the air. I talk about it often because so many people are struggling with it. Um, what, if someone's listening and let's say it's a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad, and they've got a 20 something kid that's dealing with this or 
or a you know 40 something person dealing with it what's the first thing that they should do to address it with the person that says i'm fine i don't need any help when clearly they do well let me let me get a little bit of background as i answer that question um my son battled a 10-year opiate addiction and I was one of those parents who went to bed every night. And the last thought that, that I had as my head hit the pillow was, is this the night I get the call? Is this the night that I get the call that my son has overdosed or God forbid been in a car accident and hurt someone else or something like that? And that is a very, very tough way to live. I will also say though, that my son now has almost eight years of recovery. Mm -hmm. He works for Recovery Centers America at another facility of ours in Devon, Pennsylvania. Uh, and I couldn't be more proud of him. And he is, and, and, and I'm not objective, but I don't pretend to be. He is one of the, the truest representations to me of true recovery and not just abstinence. But to answer your specific question, I, and I always offer that to family members because I want, I want to provide a source of encouragement for them that you might not be able to see the forest for the trees right now, but that there is hope. Uh, but if they have, if, if, if someone has a family member or loved one who's struggling with addiction, the number one thing they can do is talk to some professional experts to get some feedback and some insight into the best way to approach this. If you are a person who doesn't have a history of addiction, if you're, as an example, a parent of a 20-something-year-old child, and you're what we refer to as drug naive because that wasn't part of your history, it can be really confusing. How does treatment work? When you say levels of care, what does that mean? Um, how does insurance play into this? There's a lot to navigate. So speaking to professionals who can help with that is something that's really, really important. Generally speaking, uh, someone who struggles with drugs and alcohol has to hit what we refer to as rock bottom. And what we, can, we can't do as, as loved ones and family members is make that rock bottom lower and lower through what we refer to as enabling. And so that's all are all things that you need to learn because you have a loved one who's struggling with drugs and alcohol. You are you have a hundred emotions that are colliding at any one time. I with my son, I felt guilt. What did I do wrong? How could I have done better as a parent? You feel anger and frustration because, gee, my son is 25 years old and we should be talking about him potentially, you know, getting married and, and establishing his career and buying his first home and having children. And instead, we're talking about court dates and POs and urine tests. So you have all of these emotions that are colliding. Mm. And it, speaking to a professional really helps you to kind of sort that out. Now, I will say this. One of the things that different, differentiates Recovery Centers of America is our emphasis on our family programming because it is just as important for that family member to receive education and support as it is the, the patient himself or herself. If anyone calls 1-800-RECOVERY and someone's answering the phones 24 seven, we can provide information. We have educational resources. We have a program called Seeds to Recovery that's just geared for families and for support and education that doesn't cost anything. We also have something called RCA Academy, which, which provides trainings and that type of thing, because we want to do whatever we ca can to contribute to those 1 million people gaining meaningful and long-lasting recovery. 
David, what was what was, if you don't mind sharing, what was rock bottom for your son? What what happened in your family that all of a sudden turned around? You've got this incredible story, uh, and now and eight years is a is a long time. I mean, I'm sure for someone who suffered, it is a lifetime, and it, it must be exhilarating for your son to recognize it's been that long, and for you certainly as a parent. So what what turned? What changed? What snapped? You can tell I'm beaming. Um, what snapped was going to jail. What snapped was then immediately going into treatment and being challenged by, and it, he did not go to an RCA facility. I want to make that clear, but being challenged by his counselors and the staff at that facility that you're not going to make it. And he said, I'm going to prove you wrong. And mm -hmm. he did. And, you know, he kind of came to himself. Now he's very active in Alcoholics Anonymous. He sponsors people. Um, he's starting a, an AA group in our area very next week, as a matter of fact. So I, I think, you know, as I said, rock bottom is different for different people. It mm -hmm. looks different. And for him, that was it. Like, hey, you know, I've got an issue here and I've got to deal with it. Wow. I would love to interview him at some point if he's agreeable to that. So let me Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll I mean, I, I'll make him. I'm dad. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Because I, you know, the, the, it is true, right, David? I mean, the personal story, it, you can talk about all the technical aspects of it, but when you can relate personally, and as you said, one out of three, I don't know, I don't know many people that don't know someone who is struggling and suffering and, and uh, it's a challenge. So, what, what's the first step? You, you First of all, just a little bit about the place, just the drier stuff. Where, where are you located in New Jersey? How do people get in touch? What's step number one? Well, let me say something about RCA. Recovery Centers of America was started about eight or nine years ago uh, by uh, a, a very highly successful commercial real estate developer named Brian O'Neill. And Brian has a, a passion for interventions. And he was doing an intervention one day on a 20-something-year-old young man and once the young man, eight hours later, agreed to come into treatment, he could not uh, find any, it was a Saturday, he could not find any uh, facility that he had been putting patients in for years um, that would answer the phone or had any beds or he wasn't getting voicemails. So he started RCA with a vision that we are going to help these people with recovery. We are going to make, limit the patient financial responsibility so, so that finances are not an obstacle or a barrier to enter into treatment. We now have 10 facilities around the country, long-term strategic plan 25 by the year 2025. Specific to, to RCA at Raritan Bay, we're located in South Amboy, New Jersey, uh, which is in Middlesex County. And we have a 138-bed facility, as I mentioned. The full continuum of care. And if anyone wants more information or, or even just you know, I have questions, then I would just encourage anyone to call 1-800-RECOVERY. Someone will answer the phone, two rings or less, and they will they can talk to you, they can coach you through things, explain things, and most of all, encourage you, uh, whether it be for yourself or for a loved one. Are you hiring? We are always hiring. We hire therapists, we hire nurses, uh, we hire what we refer to as recovery support specialists, housekeepers. Um, we're, we're always hiring. We're always looking for people um, who have a passion to help, who are driven to help others. That's great. David, I yeah, couldn't have put that better myself. That was, um, that was just a brilliant uh, discussion from your end about what you do and how you do it. And I want to thank you for taking the time and sharing your knowledge. I think people don't realize that 
you know, there's a, there is a personal connection with a lot of this and there are some tried and true methods that do work. So this is not something that is hopeless. This is something that can actually be solved. I love what you said. Uh, there's a difference between recovered and abstinence. And, and that was, that was just a, a brilliant take on it. I think you're hundred percent right in the years I've been working with people and parents and families and, and kids who have been struggling there is a win on the other side. It can happen. It can happen. And, and if I could say one other thing, first of all, you know, I appreciate you having me on today, but we have this wonderful privilege in the work that we do. And that is we get to mine the gold out of people hmm. and people who are struggling with drugs and alcohol, they are very down on themselves and they have loved ones who remind them of their faults, failures, and screw ups. And I don't say that judgmentally. It's just the way it is because people don't know what to do or how to react. But we get to say to somebody, there is gold in you, and it's our job to help you identify and find what that gold is. Now, to me, you talked about success earlier. To me, success in treatment is when you are completed the treatment process, that we've helped to, you to reconnect yourself with your God-given purpose and destiny in life. Because active addiction is the great separator, the disconnector, but recovery is the reconnector. And when we have helped you to reconnect with your purpose, that to me is the ultimate success. Well said. Thank you, David. Thanks for joining me today. Appreciate your time and keep the mission going. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. If anyone has any questions or needs help, the number is simple, 1-800-RECOVERY. There you go. Thank you.